0: Hey everyone! I'm Kari. Hello everyone! I am Brie. And this is CSI Talk. Welcome back, everyone, another week, another episode of CSI Talk Try. Before we get into today's episode, we just want to let you all know that you're safe here, okay? This is a safe space for you, and we love you, regardless of what is happening in the world right now. You're always going to have a place here with us, because this is a big CSI family, okay? And we love you, regardless of who you are, who you are, your sexuality, we love you. Some news... On the CSI Vegas Season 3, we got a new Undersheriff. He's going to be played by Reggie Lee. I saw it on Instagram last night. I just want to let him know that if he takes Max's chair, we're going to have a problem. But he is a great actor.
1: I've seen him in a number of things.
0: I think I've seen him on some TV shows, too. But if this Undersheriff tries to take Max's chair, I'm going to
1: be really upset
0: And we're going to have a problem because... As you all know, Max is my mother, and I love her. So don't go into my list of characters of CSI that I don't like because you've treated uh, my favorite characters bad. Oh, also, don't come for my girl Penny. If you girl comes come for my girl Penny, you're going to have a problem with me because I love Penny. So under sheriffs, don't come for Penny or Max or Catherine for that matter or even Bo or Chris or Ellie or Josh. Any one of them. Don't come for any one of them Oh, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. I mean, why haven't I updated my behind-the-scenes thread on Twitter? Well, because I haven't gotten anything from the behind-the-scenes. As soon as I get it, I'll post it. Oh, the actress that plays Serena, she got engaged last week, I guess. Or was it this week? I'm not sure, but congratulations. We're really congratulations! Also, we're not sure if Serena is coming back on season 3 of CSI Vegas. We haven't seen anything from the pictures of the set to suggest that Serena is coming back. Maybe she came back to Miami. I don't so, know.
1: The most recent show that the actor originally was in was yes. a show with Martha than that just ended. All right, Again, don't come from my girl,
0: Catherine. Oh, well, we're going to have a problem. Oh, big news for those of you who watch CSI Vegas on AXN on Latin America. Season 2 is going to come sooner than we all expected. It's going to come on January 11th i wasn't sure when they were going to broadcast season two but i think that they bought the rights of season two when they bought the rights of season one that is why there's barely any space between season one and season two because since season one aired during october i mean the finale aired just last week because this this episode is being put out on on wednesday right there's less than a month really of waiting period between season one and season two of at least in Latin america I don't know how they're going to do for Season 3 because since Season 3 is going to come out on February 18th. We don't know how many episodes Season 3 is going to have, but we don't think it's going to be on a 20-episode basis.
1: And we think it's, gonna, it's probably going to be less than 20 episodes. It is going to be 20. All networks have already announced that all the shows are going to be on a 20-episodes. Oh. That was- Evolution?
0: That- Including that- Evolution?
1: Including Coronavirus Evolution? Yes, that was announced... Ages ago. Oh, you should have told me. Well, anyway, so... I t- I shared it, and I, and I tagged you in it on Twitter. You probably just forgot about it. Well, and I even so- talked about it last week.
0: So, yeah, so CSI Vegas is really going to have a 20 episodes.
1: Less- it's just great for us, but... Less than hope- 20. Less than 20. It's Every show is getting, like, 10 to 15 episodes.
0: Well, you know what? I just hope that Ransom stays together, but I think they're not going to be... The other thing is going to be just a little, a little burn type of way. That's um, what CSI does best. Well, I mean, they do it right, okay? It should be a taught in school what they do it because they do it right. I think season seven of CSI, Crime Scene Investigator, should be taught in, like, movie schools or something like that, whatever, like, they teach people on how to make TV shows and movies because I feel like season seven is one of the greatest examples of how to do a plot twist because nobody was expecting exactly what happened in the end. Not to say that the plot twists that happened in season one and season two of CSI weren't good because they were absolutely magnificent. But as someone who watched CSI like in a in a row because I've watched it during the pandemic and, and when I watched like season seven one episode after the other that whole plot twist that happened during season seven and I was like, oh, so the serial killer is a woman? Oh, Grissom and Sarah are together? I knew they were already together. Because you can actually see it from the way they treated each other since season five. But anyways, I digress. Those of us uh, really that, that watched CSI Vegas and also Criminal Evolution, a Fajar Bursar said that they're going to start shooting Luna Winds Evolution on January sixteenth and there is a lot coming for Emily this season. They just hope she doesn't us like she did before so what are we talking about today today
1: we're talking about four by four
0: four by four is episode 19 of season five of csi crime scene investigation and like this episode it's there's a lot happening in this episode today we have four active cases on this episode including the domestic side-eye from brissom which is actually great so the official synopsis of the episode is, it's a busy night and the lab as the CSI to investigate four cases, a hit and run involving a stolen hummer, the murder of a beautiful convention girl, the death of a bodybuilder, and the death of a boy found on the bench.
1: And most of the cases are connected. In a bizarre way.
0: Yeah. All of them are connected? Like, how?
1: Anyways. Uh, strength theory.
0: String theory. Did y'all remember that? Thank you for that, Gilgrysum. <laughs> if you all don't remember us all, Gil Brissom. I even named her Gil Brissom on my phone. So we have the first case. The first case is Grissom, okay? And Brissom and breath, okay? So Grissom is the only so if I said. working work in this case. This man was driving his car, minding his own business. When his car is literally run over. But when I mean run over, it's literally it's like the, over. It's like the run Rover. Oh my God. <laughs> you what have to do here? Anyways.
1: Well, so this car already... Robo, send a call right over.
0: <laughs> really, really ran over by a Hummer that is going the wrong way in a one-way street. Rissom gets to the scene and Bradstall says, well, the driver survives, but the driver of the Hummer was scene. seen. Well, I mean, not actually surprising, right? The thread marks indicate that the Hummer was actually accelerating. I mean... You know, we see this a lot when the when cars are stolen, the thieves actually accelerate the car and then they don't know how to drive it. And then they get instantly in the park, and then you know that's called karma. Ress can see that there's a lot of was that the blood on the door handle and on the inside. Grissom notices there's something on the airbag, which to him seems like the driver had a facelift. What what Grissom means is that it's, the car is going in a very high speed, and the driver is not wearing a seatbelt. And then the car gets into a car accident, and then the airbag explodes all in the face. It can cause the driver to have some wounds. And give the, the driver a face. Back in the lab, Chris <laughs> is Greg and Sarah talking about taking a shower together. And it's so funny, because Greg is like, Sarah, I just want to let you know that I didn't see anything. And, and Sarah says, oh, I saw everything. And then the Grissom is like,
1: Bombastic, well, side-eye, Criminal sense, side-eye. So Judy, Judy, I love Judy. <laughs> Honestly, if I was to see a side character, I will probably be Judy. You know, it would be you very well. So, uh, Plus, I would actually try to make sure nobody gets in the lab.
0: Yeah, you know what? I think the, the, the lab would be very much security for there. <laughs> because we said it time and time again. Time and time again. There's no security on the same lab. I mean, how do you think Enzo Wix was able to steal so much evidence over the years? <laughs> i'm pretty sure some bad guy be like oh i need to get inside so some evidence and they'll be like but they
1: want not oh. say, say what the devil said can i have your id please and you need to sign this piece of paper and it needs to match your id i'll probably end up being kidnapped honestly
0: don't worry if you don't like text me back like within a day back, within a day i'd be like going to the lab and talking to, to, to them like my friend was kidnapped because she was trying to make this place a, a, a safe place. Okay. This is not her fault. If you get evidence, keeps getting stolen.
1: She's a fiery redhead who is, who is quiet but loud.
0: I know her. She wouldn't go without spies. She hasn't been answering my taxes.
1: Even though we live in a different
0: country. Granted, they would have to go through our taxes and I'm not sure if I feel comfortable with <laughs> 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 Yeah. Judy tells Grisham that the Humber that was involved in his a run was harjacts from a couple earlier that night. Okay, fine. So at PD, the owners of the Humber are telling Brass, you know, Kyle and Wilma Shaw, they're telling Brass that they actually got the Hummer in the raffle and it was literally theirs for twenty minutes before they were Farjax. <laughs> Talk about that, like Brass is like had enough because this couple was fighting in front of him for a very long time. The couple cannot even tell him how the guy that stole their car looked like because the woman is like she was he was definitely thinner than you and and, and i was like no he wasn't grissom and an officer they go to the scene where the couple said that they were carjacks and it was three blocks away from the hit and run grissom is like taking his pictures and then he finds some blood on the fence post he also finds a bloody handkerchief down the alley and while he's processing the scene he actually listens to sirens, and he sees two police cars and a detective car going to the scene. When he arrives there, it's a convenience store. He gets to a convenience store and the owner had called the cops because somebody was trying to steal from him. And Bratz realizes that the man that was trying to steal from the convenience store matches the descriptions that he got from the Tuple Dex project before. The name of this guy is Vernon Miller. At PD, he tells Grissom that Vernon says that he did not take the car. But Grissom is like, yeah, but his blood says otherwise. Because his blood is a match to the blood that was found inside the Hummer and in the handkerchief that he found in the alley. Back at the lab, Hardest tells Grissom that there was an oily substance that was found in the bag. And the oily substance in fact was oil. Specifically, it was mixed with beef, pork, and chicken and human flesh. <laughs> okay. And Grissom knows where it comes from. He goes to the taco stand down the street from hit- the hit and run. And the owner, first of all, he asked for, I think it's safe to say that my boy Grissom became a vegan or vegetarian at the most after he married Sarah because Sarah would not <laughs> have allowed any type of meat inside her house.
1: Sarah would. Not one to be cooked, but she will be okay because a good vegetarian or vegan, or at least one that I will be okay with to be around, is those who are all okay with what I eat. Don't try to change what I eat. I have experience with a vegan trying to tell me to stop eating meat. Huh. Sarah's not yeah, one. Yeah, but guys. I don't
0: think Sarah would have wanted to kid's <laughs> Rissa. <Mediterranean> but
1: but <laughs> would have brushed his teeth.
0: Totally, <laughs> like he would brush floss and do. In the taco stand, the owner tells Grissom that the two men tried to rob him the night before, but he grabbed his knife, he stabbed one of them in the leg, and then he threw oil, hot oil in the face of the other guy. I love this guy. I love, I love this. I love this right off the bat. I love this, this owner of this taco stand. And then Grissom tries to pay for it, but the the guy's like, ah, I own the house. I mean, I love this guy. When they go through the hospital, they find out the guy that had a bird mark on his face was called Lawrence Lafontaine. And he tells Brissom and Brass that everyone knows the owner of the taco stand and losing a to him was not going to go down without, without a retaliation. So in the flashback, it shows that Lawrence and Vernon, they were in a way after they, after they were stabbed and burned by the taco stand owner. And Lawrence wraps his bandana around Vernon's leg to stop the bleeding and he wanted a payback. So Lawrence, saw the Hummer, car it, and he actually wanted to run over the taco stands. But before he could get there, he actually ran over another car and he had to run away from the scene. Well, okay, that that's what happens.
1: Yeah, that's not so, in the case one.
0: The person was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I guess this, this, is, this is the dumbest case he's ever worked. You sure about that? How long has he been a Side? Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. In the year, probably that was the dumbest case of several words. There we go. Okay. So the, the episode rewinds and then <laughs> we have the case with Catherine Warwick and Bartan. I guess Cat- Catherine and Bartan were flirting. I mean, Catherine was not dating anyone in season five, but i like to think they were like flirting back in
1: season five. Yeah.
0: So we have- five. She's flirting with Brock. Okay. Let me just say something. Something right here. Why weren't Catherine and Warwick playing? And even when they had a chance to make this to a couple, they decided to kill Warwick. Well, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, okay. And when Warwick was married, he was still flirting with Catherine. It's the question here. Do we think, like, in a... When, like, they had to work late, do we think that Catherine and Warwick ever, you know, kissed? No. I don't think
1: Catherine would have done that because he was married, but I think. But also Jordan remember, just a couple of seasons later, Catherine was saying, never, never date somebody you walk with, never have a relationship with somebody you walk with. Granted, okay. a couple years later, that went down. No, she
0: did. had a relationship with Artan. I mean, the, the, but that was after crazy, the fact. But...
1: That was after the fact. And also after she saw that at the time, a relationship with somebody you have walked with could be successful because of Brisman Sarah. She didn't
0: know what was happening behind the scene.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I in. said
0: she stopped. You know what? I I think I I think because of like, look guys, I, I love work Okay, I know you're all a but okay. The here's a but: he was married, and he kept flirting with Catherine every chance he got. He had to be called out by Hodges a few times. Okay, like, yeah. are you married? And where he's like, yes. Don't flirt. Mm-hmm. Hodges from Pete's sake. He was called out from Hodges. It was a call out from Hodges. Out of all the people, it had to be Hodges. I'm not saying it it should not have been Hodges. I'm just saying that you shouldn't flirt regardless. And he was like mad at Tina. And he was really insecure in his relationship with her. Because she was working with her her ex or something. And she had to be like, oh, I love you. I'm married to you and all that. And then like Tina had no idea that inside the lab, her man was actively flirting with Catherine during their shifts. The mapping, mapping. Why? The mapping, mapping. Bartan and Catherine, they're working together on this case. okay? The victim is a woman. Her name is Lisa Schumacher. In the car convention, the same Park convention, which the previous couple won the Hummer, Mr. DeLuca is revealing a new state-of-art RV. And when the curtain calls back, it reveals a dead woman. I mean, it's Las Vegas. There are bruises around her neck and works. He, he meets Vartan at the scene and he is told that the victim is actually your old Lisa Schumacher. And based on what she's wearing, work is like, well, she's a convention girl, which means that she is either a model, a stripper, or showgirl that is working at the convention to make extra money. They actually find the laceration on her lower lip, contusions on the neck, and patica in the eyes, if you don't remember what patica is. If you don't remember katika is, it's when the blood vessels and the eyes, they just explode, which means that at some point the killer held her down and asphyxiated her. I was like, Oh, she probably got into a fight and got into a fight and got strangled. And she probably got sexually assaulted as well because there are make- makeup smudges on her skin and they- it doesn't look like blood. Okay. There's no blood. There's no visible blood in any of her wounds, but Warwick does find blood hair and skin. Under her fingernails. Which means that she far back her attacker. Which means that her attacker had a sense of wounds. Ward is searching the rooms of the RV. That had been unveiled just a few hours prior. And he found her belongings. When he goes to the bathroom. They do that in a very small bathroom. Like if you're selling an RV. At least make that bathroom bigger. He swaps the stain in the toilet bowl. And then he opens the flush unit, and he found condoms inside, which actually opens the possibility that the victim had been sexually assaulted, even though they don't know that for sure until Doc Robbins goes through her. Back in autopsy, one of my favorite scenes of CSI, he tells Catherine, Doc Robbins, that leaves a COD, it was actually as- asphyxia, because of manual strangulation. He saw the petechia. And he also did like other tests, right? The killer actually used a lot more force than was necessary, which means that there were bleeding in the neck muscles and fractures on the thyroid cartilage and hyoid bone. Hyoid bone, which your thyroid is where your throat is. It's literally on the same place. What Dr. Robbins means is that when the killer kills her, he applied too much force, and he ended up making the neck muscles bleed and cause a fracture to the thyroid cartilage. I mean, cartilage and fracture. And the hyoid, boi- the hyoid bone, it's a bone in-, in the neck. If you guys watch Bones, there was an episode because they find out specifically that... There's an episode that they find out that the serial killer used to hyoid bones.
1: And also, on also, criminal Minds. And speaking of bones... May the actor who played Bones' dad rest in peace. He just died today. What?
0: Yeah. No, what am I just thinking about? Oh, I will always remember that one scene, like Bones was helping him bleed and helping him run away. And there was like that song play, like, I'll keep on trying to get home to you. I I really love that Unless so, that, that song helped me through a lot. And that was on my senior year. Rest in peace. But yeah. So from more the Lines, there was this, I think like on the last scene on the Criminal the Lines, there was this one episode that Reed got kidnapped by a colt and when he's about to get sacrificed, he sees sees a tree with a lot of high on bones. Really creepy. There is a on, on web mount which indicates that Lisa actually had, had sex prior to her death. But there was no trauma. And Semen was found at a death that would not indicate penetration. And Catherine's like, well, maybe the killer had not or didn't have a lot to work with. That's why she, she's suggesting, like, maybe there was no sexual assault. And then the killer simply exolds her. Back in the convention, we see the, the couple from Grissom's case winning the humbler and the raffle. And working for 10, they are actually talking to Donnie Drummer. And he is one of the convention's organizers. She actually did not know that Lisa was dead. He's actually pretty surprised to know that she, she's dead. He doesn't know why he was in the convention after hours. But she was put in a booth to talk to people instead of being clad in a bikini. Another convention model, her name is Gwen. She shows up late and Donnie, she, he screams at her for being late. She's like, I just had the worst morning. And he's like, you think you had it worse? You think you had it worse? Lisa is dead. We'll find out later that this girl, Gwen, is actually tied to Greg and Sarah's face. Pontius tells Warwick that back in the lab that a lot of substance were found on Lisa's bodies, Spermicides, which actually Lisa winds up with Lisa touching a condom. Ingredients, Ingredients with Someone with hairdale were found on her fingertips. And we're like, yeah, it makes sense because she probably was defending herself against her attacker. And there is a brownish substance that was found on her fingers, chest, and so- and shoulders. There are actually tanning solutions. Tanning He shows Warwick the fingerprints from four different conventions models that were found in the RV. Okay. So there we have four showgirls inside this RB, Dennis, Dana St. Simmons, Lane Kelly, Candace, Mosty, and Lisa. And Warwick realizes that Candace and Lisa have the same address and so they are roommates. Warwick and Bartan, they question Candace and Warwick realizes that uh, she's wearing tanning lotion on just one of her arms. And Candace is like, yeah, need." asks all of the girls to hang out with Mr. DeLuca the night before because DeLuca is quote-unquote a baller. All the girls decided to do whatever it took to get extra cash. After they party most of the night, they went to the RB and a very drunk Deluca asked which girl wanted to have sex with him first. Really dude, we really think her that amazing. This girl's really just wanted to have some extra cash. Anyways, Lisa said, Well I'll do it, and he's like, No, because she was quote unquote old. No dude, she was not old. You are old. She's not old for you. So Candace was actually trying to make her feel better and then left. And then she says that when she left, Lisa was what well, hell looks herself in the bathroom. They brought in look for the an interrogation. And he's like, I'm not giving you my DNA on my fingerprints because he's on quote unquote vacation. Okay. That's a dumb reason, but he tells Work and Vertan that Lisa was quote unquote expiring and looking for a way out. That seems pretty sexist to me. In the flashback they see we see that Lisa is crying in the bathroom and then she found the condom in the toilet and when the lookout walks in, he found her putting the condom inside of herself. And when he realizes what
1: she was doing, he left her See that she was also still breaking the law.
0: I know someone breaking the law, but like two wrongs don't make a right.
1: I know. He shouldn't have left her but she should not have inserted a used condom. Yeah. That that is also very very un- very very to say and probably
0: very unhealthy. According to the lookah, a baby would be a quick retirement plan. And well is like, yeah, it's also a good motive for murder. But the look is like, yeah, why would I kill her and leave her body in the R V? That he was presented to a crowd of people. Yeah, he is, he has a good defense point. He's got a good argument. Catherine and Warwick they are walking past Nick in the hallway, and Nick is on the phone with Butterfield Academy, and she's looking at Nick like, well, "What are you talking about?" And but she can't listen to him anymore because he's out of her, like he's out of the hallway. Warwick is telling Catherine that the Lucas DNA is all over the clones, and then one of them. He's DNA and Lisa's epithelios are on both sides of the condom. Like, if you turn the stock inside out, That that's the comparison. Which, you know, would support his story. The epithelios, the epithelios that were found under Lisa's DNA, fingernails were not a match to the Lucas. So they go back to the convention and Warwick is looking through Donnie's hair. And Donnie's Smith is being really racist to Warwick at that point. I'm just, you know, why did why wasn't the guy arrested? He should have been arrested. Warwick is looking through his hair with a magnifying glass to see if there are scratches, and he does find the scratches. And he tells Donnie his theory. He found out that Lisa had made the looker angry, and the looker was, you know, his last client, and the business would be bad if he if the looker had bailed on him. So. Donnie probably strangled Lisa in the RV and Work would be accused of the murder. So Donnie win in the situation, right? Because somebody else would take assault. But Donnie's like, yeah, I didn't do it. And Work's like, yeah, give me your DNA and we'll see about that. Donnie is the one that did it. Donnie killed Lisa because Lisa made the little mad. That's a long way to go for a play, dude. So we have the case of Ragshair. And Cavali- Cavalier, Cavalier, do you all remember him? We haven't talked about him, and
1: why while here. So
0: Gwen, which is one of the show, one of the models or showgirls, that the one that came
1: and said, "I just had a horrible day." Yeah,
0: he went to Paul Charles' house to work out, but when Paul did not answer the door, he she found him dead on the floor. She called nine one one, and then they called the CSIs, Greg and Sarah, on the scene with Detective Cavalier, and the and the detective told him told them that the decedent the, the is 28-year-old Paul, who was a competition bodybuilder and a personal trainer. There is no sign of floor center. All doors are locked, and all windows are closed. Okay, so what happened? Then CSIs go in. Sarah realizes that Paul has a lot of bruising around his, his, his face, and Greg realizes that all the posters that Paul has are of himself. And he also says, like, oh, Paul is the poster child of self-love. And Sarah's like, well, maybe the, that's why the killer attacked Paul's face. Back in the station, Gwen is telling the technical Cavalier that Cavalier, I'm always mispronouncing his name, that Paul actually canceled her workout two weeks before because of the last two weeks because he was training for the Mr. Las Vegas competition. And she did try to have sex with him once, but he put away before he went too far. Okay, great. I love that. I mean, content, you know, content is really important, you know, just want to let you know, consent is really
1: important. If you're all feeling,
0: if you're feeling um, pressure captured, to do anything,
1: pressure to do anything at all that you're not comfortable with, say no.
0: Yeah, say no. And if the person doesn't get it, they don't get your consent. You know, make a scene, scream until somebody shows up. Okay, just just don't do it because you're feeling pressure to do it. Back at the back in the scene, Greg is like, "Well, maybe one of the weights, because this guy has a lot of weights, could be the motor weapon." And Sarah's like. So if, if one of the weapons is the weight, the, the killer would not have to be the victim's size or even a, a male, right? They are going through the scene and Greg actually finds a gun in the trap drawer and also the regions in the bottom drawer. So they looking through his plane. Greg tells her that one of the weightlifting equipment says it's positive for blood. Okay. Back in the autopsy, Dave and Doc Robbins, they are going through his body and the blood flow trauma seems to be the cause of death. But there is lack of bruising that the blow... Actually, it was post-mortem, which means that it was after the victim was already dead. Doc Robbins signs laceration at the base of the skull. But there's lots of blood from the injuries. is not fatal. And Doc Robbins also realizes that the eye socket looks swollen. When he presses it down, the eye sucked into the skull. And there is a black substance that is coming from it. Look, we've seen so many... We've seen so many disgusting things in CSI, but I think that this one takes the The next thing we see, Greg and Sarah be- <laughs> are being literally dragged from the house by my that to guys, and they are taken to a shower. Can- shower. We find so- Sarah has
1: a tattoo on her ankle.
0: Yeah, I've read a fan things about that tattoo, about how algorithm is a tattoo. it. Uh, so butterfly? What else do you expect? Well, so, back in the lab, Greg and Sarah. The guy like Sarah just looking to know. I didn't see anything. And Greg Sarah's like, well, I saw everything. <laughs> and Chris is like, well, basic side eye, no sense of side eye. Doc Robbins and then Leah real tells them that he found a type of mold inside Paul's body. The just comes in and tells them that the syringes that they found is actually for steroids. Sarah's like, well, how would a mold infection make someone la- look like smash pole in the face? And Doc Robbins says that, actually, his face collapsed from the inside. His face collapsed from the inside. (laughs) This is disgusting. This is literally disgusting. The mold actually caused a deterioration of the bones and the sinuses and the eye around the sinuses and the eye sockets. And because the black thing that Doc Robbins found was, of course, the eyeball out, while the bones were held, that were being held together, were being hidden away, literally by fungus. Because of his steroid use, his his immune system was not strong enough to fight the spread of the infection. And Hodges also says that this type of mold grows on human tissue. They have to go back and find the human tissue. Greg and Sarah they go back to the scene and they actually find the source of the mold. They open a lot of holes inside the wall to find it, and they find evidence of blood around one specific spot in the wall and they find a leaky pipe that is surrounded by black and gold and a hole in the air duct and the air duct tells sarah that is how the the human tissue got in the wall she also finds a nine millimeter bullet and greg's like well that is the same caliber that paul's handgun there's a flashback out of a woman getting shot in front of the wall and the bullet getting through the wall and it was not only the bullet but also blood and human tissue right we have water from the leaky pipe plus the blood plus the human tissue and that all created mold which killed Paul. sarah tells grissom that they ran the full numbers from paul's agenda and the only one that is unaccounted for is tiffany rex says that tiffany is actually the street name for angela wheeler who is a sex worker and she was reported missing last month. Sarah says that the side effects of steroid use include shrunken testicles, impotence, and aggression or roid rage. What Sarah is suggesting is that he told Tiffany because when they were going at it, he couldn't perform, and she probably made fun of it, from him, and he told her the lamb has her DNA because of the, the in person investigation. And it's a match to the human tissue that they found, because if you're wondering how the, the, the missing, the the tissue that they found has, still has DNA, it's because bold has DNA, guys. It's, It's biological. It has DNA. We go, just like that, we go through to our last case, which is naked boy case. Rewind the episode. It's a little kid. It's a little kid. The, the, the victim's name is Chase Ryan. It's a boy. It's only Nick on the case. So I don't know why he doesn't have any detective. I mean, surely Brass or Ryan or anyone else will work with him. But no, it's just, it's just him. The body of this boy is found under a blanket in front of a Landromat. And this is sitting down because she was waiting for the bus. And when she thinks it's someone else. And when that the other person shows up, she lifts the tissue that is covering the boy. And it's actually a boy that is anyways. So Dave says that the kid is. It's either twelve or thirteen, and time of death is eight hours 4. Seems nobody in the street recognizes the boy, which means that he wasn't there for very long, and he's probably not homeless by the way he was dressed. And Nick Nick goes around the scene, and he realizes that there are car track marks on the ground. So he asks Chester, the CSI would probably know the names; they will be on the first name basis with with homeless people right because these people would actually see stuff and tell them things and he asked Chester who is a homeless man if he brought his card into the grass but Chester says that he tapped his part on the pavement to keep the wheels pristine. In autopsy, Dick is processing the body and he lifts purple fibers from the boy's sweaters and the jeans. He also discovers that there's something stuck in his hair. And he cuts it out. And he finds a lot of traces in this body. I mean, at first, he's, like, really stunned and, like, as to why those traces would be in this boy. Like, he cannot find, like, initially, he cannot find an explanation as to why this would happen. Because, like, why would this boy would have this thing, all these things all over him? He also finds, a, in his pocket, a punch card for a student Ranch program for Butterfield Academy. And he finds out that the thingy Victim's name is Char Chase R. So he calls the Academy for to for the list of students, but he's told there is a privacy policy. And that's how Cat like that's the phone call that he was in while Catherine and Warwick were walking by. Doc Robbins tells Nick that Chase first and second degree burns on several areas of exposed skin. And there's a burn mark on his face that is consistent with an iron. And there are hematomas along the arm and the skull. And there's a skull fracture, which makes Naukramus believe that he was suffering from uh, child abuse. The cause of death is actually positional asphyxia from heat damage. Which means that we've seen this cause of death before on CSI. And we will see it on um, a lot of episodes from now. So, like, there's one episode on, on the DPR as well. The boy's body was stuck like, in a single position. And all of his organs didn't let his diaphragm expand, couldn't breathe. Doc Robbins says that Chase was in a small heart space for a long time. Catherine stops Nick in the hallway and gives him the student directory for Butterfield Academies. And says that she tells Nick that Lindsay actually goes to the school because... Her daughter needed more discipline. I mean, it it didn't really work, did it? it
1: Did she was like she was not a crazy. Yeah. So uh, I think she needed like how she needed somebody more like Sarah in her life. Yeah, I
0: guess if if Catherine would let Sarah
1: hang around more, I think because she was most grounded when she was kind of around Sarah. It seemed like. Yeah. Maybe
0: that would have made a uh, more jealous, do you think?
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: Nick goes to visit the Ryan residence, and his sister is there. And he says that, oh, everyone is, is sick, but is actually alive because his sister threw a pardon. She actually says that, no, my parents are skiing," And Nick is like, well, do you know where your brother is? And she's like, well, he's living over at a friend. And he's like, well, can I see a picture of him? And then he realizes that, yeah, he's, he's got the right boy. Maybe. And then he's like, well, can I get the contact information for your parents? In interrogation, Nick is talking to the boy's friend. His name is Andy and his mom. He says that he and Ryan lied about having a sleepover because they were like, Oh, I'm going to sleep at Ryan's. No, I'm going to sleep at Andy because they wanted to sneak into the party that Jackie, which was Chase's Jay- uh, sister was, was throwing. Andy says that Jackie take them out, so they went to the arcades. And then they walked home. And when he left, Andy was still playing games. Okay. So Hawkins tells Nick that the tape lips that he got from the Chase's clothing had hair samples from a lot of human races and the feline and canine. And there are a lot of different fibers, including cotton wool and polyester. And this stuff that Nick found in Chase's hair was melted, vulcanized rubber. Nick is like, what? What is that? He goes back to the laundromat and searches for the dryers. And one of the dryers, he actually recovers the piece piece of melted rubber. And when he's looking around, he finds a laundry cart with muddy wheels. And he tries to take the laundry cart outside, but when he goes to a certain point, it locks. He goes outside and talks to the manager. And the manager's like, yeah, I use that to prevent tests. And that he's the only one in possession of a device that unlocks that. The manager is brought in for questioning. And he tells Nick that there were two boys playing in the mad in the laundromat. But he was more concerned with the customer that was complaining about his clothes. Is the same guy that had called the cops on the man that has stolen the homework, the And he left the laundromat to get the smell of detergent off his nose. And when he came back, he found Chase lying dead inside the drawer, inside the dryer. And Nick was like, you could literally just wheel this kid out. You couldn't totally have called 911. Like, seriously. I mean, that's why I don't know what I would do if I found a dead body. Like, because if, if you find a dead body, you're literally the first person that you're literally the first suspect, right? Mm hmm. Nick goes to and questions Andy again and says that Andy was the one that put his friend in the dryer. Remember, Nick always gets really pissed off with people that tell kids. He questions Andy about it and he says that Andy put his friend in the, in the dryer and the dryer don't look from the inside. the Andy friends, Andy friends were found on the handle. Andy says that Chase got in by himself and encouraged Andy to turn the dryer on. And he did so but then he realized that he killed his friend. His mom is in shock because, like, how can you do this to your best friend? And this court kid throws up because in shock, too. I don't think this kid had realized what had happened until that moment. Yeah. Well, this episode was truly a very... uh, Crazy. Crazy. I don't think we've dealt with so many cases on one single episode. We've dealt, like, with two at most, right? But never... I think we've done three. I think we've done three. I I think, like, I see them... That episode in which Rags finds us, finds a, uh, finds a find replacement for himself. And there's like a lot of cases happening. Yep. Because like, we have Warwick and then we have Nick and Sarah and then we have Catherine. No. Yeah. Anyways. But they're never really ever connected. And so no. Yeah. So, oh guys, we found out recently that we got a four out of five stars on Spotify. Thank you.
1: Thank you guys. Thank you so much. We love you so much. Thank you for that. We love you guys so, so much. Love y'all. And next week, we're talking about the very first episode of CSI New York.
0: Yeah, we decided to, if you don't know, we've made this decision a long time ago. So you guys, We've told you guys about it a long time ago. And the first episode we covered from CSI New York was the one from nine eleven. 11 And now we're actually covering an episode from CSI New York. But we're going to, yeah. We have decided to cover, I've said it before, but we decided to cover CSI New York because... We could go either New York or Miami,
1: and we decided to go New York. Okay, we we could totally do Miami later, but New York to... is more enjoyable. Has the lights don't bother my head? Yeah,
0: I mean Miami is too saturated. I mean, and I, I mean, there's a lot of saturation happening. Anyways, nothing that we have nothing against Miami. Miami is enjoyable. I've seen Miami. It is a lot of times.
1: I did. I finished all of Miami once, and I've seen episodes here and there since then. Yeah, like when I was watching Criminal Minds for the first time and I saw Delco in it and I was like,
0: that is Delco?
1: Both are
0: ripped in CSI and Criminal Minds. And, and, of he course, to see a tie.
1: and of course, I also watched another show where one of the minor characters peered on a couple episodes of The West Wing, which is a show that I also love that also had Georgia Fox on it for a couple episodes.
0: Wait, this is the episode that, is this the show that she wears a jumpsuit?
1: No, she's a Secret Service agent. Oops, okay. Yeah, she is, and she's, her main job in doing it is to protect Zoe Bartlett, a.k.a. the President's daughter.
0: I let Jordan Fox protect me anytime. I absolutely love that woman. Okay, then. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's nothing new. I love Jordan Vlogs. okay? Anyways, so, so yeah, we're covering Seattle, New York, and I've got some thoughts. I've got some CSIS from that show. especially Max Taylor. But we like when we like, when we come to the point in which we're breaking down Meg Taylor. I'm literally, I'm literally gonna be that mean. I'm about to, to end this guy's whole career. Not that I'm gonna end up ending this guy's whole career, but I've got some opinions on him. I mean, if, if you like Taylor if you love Meg Taylor, okay, 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 I got it. Okay, love Meg Taylor. I really like Meg Taylor. Okay, but he's done something that I'm not over it. Okay, <laughs> Then I'm totally not over it yet, and I just, anyways. So, yeah, we're going to cover this episode from CSI New York.
1: Okay, guys. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye.